Welcome everyone. So good to have all of you at all of our campuses. We're in our second, our third week of our series entitled Polarizing. And it's a series that I think in a great way is making all of us uncomfortable because it is leading us to discover what it means to truly be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And I think the other thing that is, it's helping us to live out better this whole idea of what it means to be for the people in our community, our nation, and even in our world. And as I've shared with you, um, this conversation conversation has been a conversation that really has been brewing in my heart now for almost two years because as I told you before in 2020 I read a book entitled Until Unity and it convicted me so deeply and personally about my personal apathy toward the command of God that the unity of the church should be our priority as followers of Jesus Christ and then about five months ago, um, I was given an advanced uh, reading copy of a new book that just came out last um, month called Not In It to Win It. And not only did that fuel my conviction, but it also made me even more aware of our lack of concern for this whole idea of unity as a priority in the body of Christ and how that negatively affects people around us outside of the church. Because the thing that we believe as followers of Jesus is this, and we've seen this uh, beginning in week one of this series, and that is Jesus teaches very clearly that our influence on the world is directly tied to the unity we display as the body of Christ. But as we know, too many people who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ have decided to embrace division in this season, to choose one political party or one political issue over and above the unity of God's people in the church. And whenever we fail to embrace our identity in Christ, don't miss what I'm going to say here. Whenever we fail to embrace our identity in Christ and Jesus' command to love one another as he loved us, then we are no different than anybody else. And what it does is it sets up the church to be a tool for politicians rather than the conscience of a nation because we're loving people the way that Jesus loved us. In other words, what happens is when we don't see and live out this command that Jesus prayed for in John 17, that we would be one as he and his father were one, what happens is, is the church loses everything that defines it and gives it the ability to make any kind of positive change in our world and in our communities. So what we've said over the last few weeks is this, is that difference is inevitable, but division is a choice. Now, here's the thing. I've asked you this question each week, and that is this. If you could cure the church of division, and if you could help our country begin to set aside its tendency toward polarization, and we are more polarized now as a country than ever, my question has been, would you be willing to do that? And I believe you would because you are a church that has the heart of Christ and, and you're four people. And here's the good news. We absolutely believe because of what scripture tells us that there is a way to make the division in the church go away and the polarization in our country subside. And in doing so, it would absolutely make a difference in our country and in our world if we would change one thing. Now, to help us understand a little bit deeper this week what that one thing is, I want you to think about this. July the 4th, 1776. The Declaration of Independence was officially approved by the Second Continental Congress. And the great experiment of American freedom was born on that day. 
Now, if you remember from your high school American history class, the purpose of American freedom was stated clearly by Thomas Jefferson and his co-authors in the early lines of the Declaration. He said these words. He said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are all endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the 56 men who signed the Declaration of, of, of Independence um, in August of that year, they committed to these values. They said in signing this, they said, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortune, and our sacred honor. So the men and women of 1776, they understood that freedom has both a purpose and a price. Don't miss this. Freedom has both a purpose and a price. Ironically, they violated this fundamental value of freedom by not abolishing slavery at that moment. But the truth that all men are created equal, all mankind is equal, was like a seed that was planted deep in the spirit of America, and it has continued to grow to this day. Now, here's the thing. I am for American freedom. But something you need to understand this morning is this. American freedom has a different purpose and a different price than Christian freedom. See, American freedom is freedom from, and you can finish this sentence by filling in the blank, it's, it's freedom from tyranny, it's freedom from terror, it's freedom from taxation without representation, it's freedom from unnecessary restraint and unnecessary limitations, it's freedom within limits to do what I want to do within certain limits. And you know what, it's really great to have that kind of freedom. But here's the thing that you have to understand. Freedom, American freedom, is freedom that's centered on protecting me and my rights. Literally, American freedom idea is don't tread on me. I have right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do because I have freedom. Again, nothing wrong with having American freedom, which is a freedom is within certain limits. But here's the thing I want you not to miss this morning, and that is this. American freedom is not the highest form of freedom. There is a higher form of freedom. See, when Jesus showed up, he introduced a new kind of freedom. It's a freedom that every follower of Jesus Christ should experience because when you have experienced this freedom, it changes everything about your life. But it's also the kind of freedom that every follower of Jesus Christ should display. And the way we display this freedom is through the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and meekness and self-control. In fact, the freedom that Jesus came to give can be lived out under any government. In fact, here's how the Apostle Paul described this different kind of freedom, the highest freedom that you can have. Here's how he described it in detail. If you wanna follow along in your Bibles in the, in the letter that he wrote to the church at Galatia or the churches at Galatia, listen to what he says about this in Galatians chapter five, beginning in verse one. Notice what he says. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, this seems obvious, but here's why this is important. When the apostle Paul is saying it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, what he's really saying is this. If your understanding of following Jesus doesn't feel like the ultimate freedom that you can experience, you've totally misunderstood what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. 
Because see, the Apostle Paul knew that if we ever lost our understanding that our freedom in Christ is the highest form of freedom, we would lose all our other freedoms. This is why the Apostle Paul says in the last part of verse 6, he says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And for some of us, we read that and we think, wait, 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 wait. I think the Apostle Paul got carried away there. He can't really mean the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. I mean, after all, if we let those Republicans win, our country's going to fall apart. Or if we let those Democrats win, our country's going to fall apart. We have to protect our country so we have the rights that people died for us to have. And we have to protect the future of our country for our children. So he can't mean the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And if the Apostle Paul were here today, he would say, no, I mean what I said. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Because as I just shared with you, the Apostle Paul knew that if we ever lost the understanding that our freedom in Christ was the highest form of freedom, we would lose all other forms of freedom. Now, now here's why this is so significant. The Apostle Paul knew that if we ever forgot that our freedom in Christ is the highest form of freedom, then we would start thinking that our relationship with God is built around this question. And this question would be, how am I doing? God, how am I doing? And that, that question means it all becomes about vertical. Everything's about making sure things are okay between me and God. But the kingdom Jesus came to introduce is entirely different. In this new Jesus kingdom, Jesus said, when you put your faith in what I did for you on the cross, everything is good between you and God. You're in with God when you put your faith in Jesus' death resurrection, and resurrection. You can quit worrying about how God feels about you, whether God loves you or whether God accepts you. He says, no, I have forgiven you. I've given you my grace. You are my child. You are my beloved. See, Jesus took care of the solution to the vertical relationship with God. You're accepted not because of what you do, but because of what Jesus did for you. So the thing is, Jesus took care of what matters for our relationship with God. We don't have to worry about whether we're in with God or not. Instead, Jesus said, in this new Jesus kingdom, Jesus said, what you need to do is you need to look around. And you need to focus on what is happening around you with the people around you. See, the big question in this new kingdom Jesus came to establish is this. Are things good between you and the people around you? Because as the apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 5 or 6, he says the only thing that counts is your faith being expressed through your behavior by the way that you love. In fact, notice how the Apostle Paul continues to build on this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, he says this. You, my brothers and sisters, you are called to be free. In other words, he's saying God has invited you into his family to give you the highest level of freedom. And it's not a freedom from governmental tyranny. But it is a freedom from the tyranny of sin and the sin nature that wants to control you and tries to control you. It's freedom to be who God created you to be no matter who is in power in your community, in your state, or in your nation, or in the world. See, he's saying this is a freedom that is free from the consequences and the effects of sin. See, that's the whole point of Jesus' death on the cross for you. He did it. He died for you 
to break the chains of sin that want to hold you in bondage, to set you free from that thing that causes you to do what you don't want to do or not do what you really want to do. See, Jesus died to set you free from sin, and that is the greatest bondage you could ever experience. But don't miss that or this. That freedom, it came with the greatest price. But not only that, not only did it come with the greatest price, it came with the highest purpose. That's why the next part of this verse says, my brothers and sisters, you are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. So what is the Apostle Paul talking about when he says, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh? I mean, after all, isn't the whole point of being free so I don't have to say no to me anymore? Isn't the whole point of being free so that I can do what I want and you can't tell me what to do? Isn't the whole point of being free so I can make my choices and live my own life and you don't interfere? Isn't the whole point of being free so that I don't have to be a sheep and do whatever I'm told? Isn't the whole point of being free so that I can be completely independent? And the Apostle Paul would say, no, no. That's American freedom. But it's not the purpose of the higher form of freedom that God has chosen to give you in Christ. The Apostle Paul is telling you that your freedom in Christ is greater and it has a different purpose. And you go, what's the different purpose? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because the Apostle Paul, he gives us the answer to this in the last part of this verse. He says, but do not indulge your freedom or do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh rather serve one another humbly in love so you go Paul why are we free don't miss this Christian freedom is a freedom for the apostle Paul says you're free now I want you to take that freedom and I want you to serve those around you you're free now use that freedom to put somebody else before yourself he says you're free but your freedom isn't for your benefit God set you free for the benefit of the people around you so here's the thing if your theology or if your doctrine justifies or allows you to rationalize mistreating people in any kind of way. You've got a false theology or a false doctrine. Or if your politics allows you to justify or rationalize mistreating people in any way, talking bad about people in any way, it's become the wrong thing. See, Christian freedom which informs all of our actions and reactions is a freedom that is for the benefit of someone else out of the same kind of love that God had for us. And with that thought in mind, the Apostle Paul says this in verse 14. He says, for the entire law, literally all 614 laws that God gave Moses to give to the nation of Israel, he says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. This is how powerful this one law is. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you ask the Apostle Paul, why did Jesus die for me? Was it just so I could be forgiven and miss hell and go to heaven and feel good about myself and have God bless me with a good life? He would say, no. 
Well, that is part of the package that God has forgiven you and, and you're his child. It's so much better than that. He, he would say, Jesus died for you to set you free from you so that you're free to serve others. He died so you'd be free from your self-centeredness. See, the, re, the, the real issue when we lose our, idea, our, our understanding of our Christian freedom, and that is the highest level of freedom, what happens is we move from feeling like we're free to serve others to we start holding on to saying, no, it's all about me. And we start becoming narcissistic. And so the apostle Paul would say, no, you died to be free to finally live to place the needs and the interests and the concerns and the cares of other people before yourself. He would say, you're free to love. You're free to love and to treat your neighbor with the same care and concern that you love and you treat yourself. I mean, see, that's the point of Christian freedom. It is to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you're doing anything less than that, then you're not following Jesus. See, loving your neighbors yourself is the thing that informs all of all things as followers of Jesus. Loving your neighbors yourself, it informs your attitudes, your actions, your behaviors, your interactions, and most of all, your reactions. Because your reactions show more about what's controlling you than anything else. Because if your reactions to anything that happens to you in life is not love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness, kindness and meekness and self-control, it shows that you're being controlled by your flesh rather than by the Spirit of God. And so the Apostle Paul is reminding us that while we get to decide if we're gonna follow Jesus, once we choose to follow Jesus, we don't get to decide what that looks like, what that acts like, what that sounds like. Following Jesus means the command to love others as Christ loves us, it informs everything that we do. Because as the Apostle Paul said earlier in Galatians chapter five, verse six, he says, for the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So let's bring all this together. You might wanna write this down because this is a lot. American freedom is freedom from it's centered on protecting me and my rights. And that's a good freedom to enjoy as long as it's within certain limits. If it gets out of control, it becomes narcissistic. So American freedom is freedom from. It's centered on protecting me and my rights. Christian freedom, however, is a freedom for. It's centered on serving you and your needs. So when you're following Jesus well, what the Apostle Paul says is you're free to push your rights aside to love and to serve someone else. You're free to value someone else above yourself because the only thing that counts when it comes to freedom is faith expressing itself through love. Now, if you find yourself sitting there today resisting this idea that the highest priority for followers of Jesus is to live out Christian freedom, let me just remind you that our Savior didn't just tell us to do this. He showed us how. Think about this. God in human flesh stepped into our sin-filled world and he did not demand his rights, even though he deservedly could have demanded. He's the God of the universe. He's the creator of the universe. 
Instead, what he did is he laid aside all his rights and demonstrated a higher form of freedom, the kind of freedom that chooses to serve when you should be served. It chooses to love even when you're not loved. It chooses to give even when somebody doesn't deserve to be given to. And it was a freedom that empowered him to ultimately give his life so that we could be free. It was totally upside down from the way the kings of this world operated. That's why we've said for the last couple of weeks, Jesus was the king who came to reverse the order of things. That, that means we use our new freedom in Christ to humbly serve one another in love. And you can do that no matter what country you're in. Now, since Jesus has done that for you, do you really want to argue that you shouldn't do that for the person beside of you? That person that doesn't agree with you? That doesn't see, see, see eye to eye with you? Do, do you really want to look Jesus in the eye and tell him, hey, I think I'm just going to use my freedom for my rights. I'm just going to use my freedom to get my way. And I don't really care who it hurts in the process. I mean, if Jesus were standing beside you or sitting beside you today, and by the way, he is, I don't think you'd have the audacity to do that when you saw the nail scars in his wrist and in his feet. I don't think you'd do that when you saw how your Savior used his freedom to serve you humbly in love. But I'm going to tell you something. We, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have completely lost this call to live out a freedom that's a higher level than American freedom. We've lost this call to live out the highest level freedom and to use our freedom to serve others humbly in love. What we have done, not only as Americans, but as Christians, We hold tightly on the maintaining and sustaining our American freedom in one hand. But we've totally dropped out our Christian freedom out of our mind, body, soul, our whole being. And you know what the result is? We're destroying one another. And the apostle Paul said, if we ever under, lose the understanding that our freedom in Christ is the highest form of freedom, it's gonna cost you all other freedoms. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he predicted this. If you follow along in your Bibles, go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 15. Here's the way he said it in verse 15. He says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Literally, if you use your freedom for selfish means, it's only a matter of time before you self-sabotage and destroy anything that's good. And you know, that's exactly what the church is doing today. It's destroying itself. Our greatest enemy is not the world around us. The greatest enemy that we have, Jesus prayed for it in John 17 because he saw it as our greatest enemy, is the lack of unity in the body of Christ. And not only that, that's what we're doing in our nation as well. We're choosing what is best for us over what's best for the people around us. And he says, listen, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you're gonna be destroyed by each other. And some of you sit there and you push back and you say, well, as an American, I have my rights. I'm free to do what I want. Yes, to a point. 
But if you're a follower of Jesus, which is so much greater a calling, that's truly the kingdom you're part of. Your freedom is not a freedom from something. Your freedom is for. You're actually free to do what the other person needs, not just what you want for your benefit. And here's the thing. When we fail to do that, we fail to follow the example of our Savior and King, and we misrepresent to the world why Jesus came. Because Jesus came to humbly serve others in love. See, don't ever forget this. Jesus was the King who came to reverse the order of things. Now, here's what's interesting about this call to serve one another humbly in love. Serving one another creates unity with one another. I mean, think about it. If you want your family, your workplace, your team, your community, I mean, the, this country to be more united, here's how you do it. You humbly serve one another in love. Specifically, you serve the people who are different from you. You serve the people from the other political party. You serve the people on the other side of the issue or on the wrong side of the issue in your mind or on the other side of the table. Listen, self-promoting and self-centeredness, it divides. But humbly serving one another creates unity with one another. Listen, you only win people You'll only have influence with people if you serve out of love. So let me just give you three questions for some reflection and application this week. Questions to help you examine yourself to see if you're leaning in more and just holding on with this tight grip to American freedom or if you're truly understanding what it means to have freedom in Christ and this is your mindset and this is your heart. Here's the first question. Have you created damage by using your American freedom selfishly in the past few weeks or months. Be honest with yourself. What hurt or harm have you done to someone else? Because after all, you're American and you have your rights. What, what have you said? What have you blogged? What have you posted that created more division and polarization and damage to another person. Who did you hurt? And by the way, that person that you hurt and you talked down to and you talked bad about was a person that God created and he died for. How, how did you hurt the testimony, your testimony, by what you wrote or said? How did you hurt the testimony of the body of Christ by what you wrote or said? How did you hurt the testimony of the gospel? Here's question two. What reaction have you rationalized or justified recently on the basis of American freedom instead of Christian freedom? Now, you, know, you know what I mean by this. Like you were at a place where there was a choice, a decision between what was best for you. Are you getting to spout your opinion or ideas or what's best for people around you and you don't say your idea? And you know what you did? You chose what you wanted to do for yourself and you, you, you said what you wanted to say. Well, what was your justification or rationalization? What made what you had to say more important? What made you more special? What made you more entitled than them that you shouldn't treat them with love? And what does that kind of thing say about who you are? Because remember, our reactions show more about us than our predetermined actions. And what does that tell you about how you're following and living for Jesus? Now, here's the thing. 
Those first two questions are pretty convicting. But those first two questions, they lead us to the third question, and that is this. Who do you need to apologize to for using your freedom selfishly? And will you do it? For, for some of you, the apology needs to be repenting before Jesus because you say, Jesus, I created division in the body of Christ instead of endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of love. Jesus, I've created more polarization in this world. I've hurt the testimony of the body of Christ and the gospel message because of things that I said or things that I did. Listen, if you only hold on to American freedom, you'll always revert to what's best for you at the expense of the people around you. Because after all, it's my rights, it's my wants, it's my wishes. And then when you begin to understand that American freedom is only possible because of Christian freedom, then you begin to take this extraordinary gift that we enjoy in this country and you use that freedom for something greater than you. You use it to benefit those around you. You choose to value not just freedom from, but a freedom that is for. And can you imagine how different things would be in our communities if we loved others the way that Jesus loved us? I mean, can you imagine how different that your family would be, how much better your relationships would be? Imagine how much more positive your school or your work environment would be. Imagine how differently people would view the church and the testimony of the church. They might even believe that the church and people in the church are for them because people make up the church. I mean, imagine how differently they would view Jesus as a result of that or how irresistible the gospel message could become again. Now, if you're with us today and you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to please hear me on this. This is so important. You were called to be free, but it is a freedom with a higher purpose and a higher price than American freedom. And Jesus said, do not use your freedom to indulge your selfish wants. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another humbly in love. And you know what will happen? We're gonna see this next week. The world will sit up and take notice because it's happened from time to time through, throughout our, uh, between Jesus and our time. The world will sit up and take notice and, and they'll lean in more about who this savior and king is, this Jesus that we serve, who modeled for us what it means to humbly serve others in love. Because remember, Jesus died for us on the cross when we didn't believe or behave right. While we were still at odds with him, he died for us. Now, today, to kind of remind us of this higher purpose and the price of the freedom that Jesus died to give us and, and to remind us of the incredible sacrifice that love requires and that love takes, we're gonna take communion as we close out our service today. So if you're with us today at any of our churches and you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you during this closing song that the band is about to lead us in to eat the bread as a reminder of the price that Jesus paid to set us free, to love others as he loved us. And then I want you to drink the juice as a reminder of the purpose that Jesus gave us when he washed away our sins so that we would have an example of how to treat other people who, who were against us or sinned against us or mistreated us or disagreed with us. So I'm gonna pray for us. And then I want you to lean in the words of this song as a prayer. And then, and then when your heart is right and your heart is right, when you say, God, I'm gonna humbly serve everyone 
No matter if they agree with me or don't agree, I'm gonna love and I'm gonna serve just like you loved me and served me. I'm gonna treat everybody I meet this next week in such a way that they'll know that I'm for them. I, I may not agree with them. I definitely may not approve of everything they do, but they're gonna know that I'm for them, not against them because you were for me even when I didn't get it right. And we still don't get it right. I mean, doesn't God just have to show us his grace every day because we don't get it right? So when you're ready, then take communion as reminder of the higher price and the purpose of the freedom that we have in Christ. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity for us to begin to understand at a whole nother level that the solution to the problems with the polarization in our country and the division that we have in our church, it's, it's not more politics. It's more surrendered lives. Lives that are committed to living and loving as Jesus has lived and loved us. Thank you for the model, Jesus. It's the standard that we're incapable of living on our own in our human flesh. So I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that will help us, that give us the strength and the insight, the courage, the want to, to love even when the other person is being unlovely to love and to serve even when we completely disagree and do not see eye to eye with the person that you're calling us to love and serve. God, may we always remember that we can only win friends to Jesus. We can never win people who see us as their foe. Help us to live out a life of love. Help us to live at the highest level of freedom possible. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen.